Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 24 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, hopefully not lagging, as I bring you today yet another Quarantine from Home episode that you can tell I'm probably loving, along with my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. (laughs) What's up? We also brought back wrestling expert Connor Casey and producer Jim Viscardi, who is a self-styled wrestling expert himself. So... What's up? We obviously need everybody because the major thing we're going to be talking about today is the craziness with uh, WWE releasing a whole bunch of wrestlers due to coronavirus cuts or the cuts from the coronavirus pandemic delays. We also got to return, talk about the return of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., something crazy that PETA wants from the MCU. Uh, Tom Hardy is going to mumble his way through a new trailer and, like I said... (laughs) The wrestling guys are going to break down what just went down at WWE, and there's a lot to talk about there. So because I keep lagging on my unreliable home internet, the first thing we're going to talk about is something we've been leaving off the show for a while. We were supposed to talk about, but we didn't. Matt had something that really stoked his interest over at Marvel, a could have, should have, almost would have been, that he found particularly interesting, which was a symbiote orgy. And, uh, you know, if you know anything I knew about you were Matt, sell it that way. Um, if, if you know anything about Matt in the office, you know why this is up his alley. But not- Matt, <laughs> you can explain it. Maybe you, fine, you can explain it to the people. I'm lagging to not- this anyway. So go ahead and explain to the people. I lo- okay, first, I would just like to dispute that, like, I went and, like, found this story and, like, sought this out. <laughs> That's not what happened. Anyway, what I will say was interesting, despite that wonderful lead-in. Uh, it was interesting because this was actually, because of the pandemic and people kind of sitting at home, especially writers who have pitched a bunch of things over the years, Rick Remender ended up kind of going through his hard drive and finding, like, a bunch of old what-if-style things that he pitched over the years and that kind of thing. This one was called War of the Symbiotes. And it like if you read it now, it kind of you can see the little similarities to like absolute carnage. But the biggest thing that sets it apart is like how it all starts, which I mean you're pretty Orgy. this is pretty standard. Like symbiotes take over the Marvel universe and a couple of heroes are left to save things. But this one starts because Toxin, who at the time was Eddie Brock Eddie Brock's symbiote essentially goes into heat. And so because of that, starts unleashing spores everywhere. Uh, so the hero is the one causing all of this. It starts infecting everybody, making everything else in heat. And that includes like Avengers and, and other superheroes. And like there ends up being like a very small group uh, that is not 
infected and they have to like go about trying to reverse things. And uh, the whole pitch is really interesting. Like he actually released like a, a, a long view of like what the overall story was and like a small like synopsis type thing. Uh, one of the interesting things is that not only did Eddie Brock Venom or Toxin at the time start this by going into heat, uh, he then like gives him like gives his life and dies to like try and help stop it. So not only does he start it, he dies because of it. This was like a crazy arc and they had spent like seven months if this had all played out building this up. So it would have been like, oh, we're going to kill the hero too. And then there was like a weird thing of like uh, certain heroes would have to choose because like the heroes trying to fight this, some were split and trying to save the people and cure it while others were just like, screw this, we're going to take them out because that's what we need to do to like put this fire out essentially. And like the Avengers were kind of split and how they were handling this. And then Captain America and, or Black Widow wasn't decided at the time. One of them was going to become one. And then like the other Avengers would have to do a thing of, do we kill our friend or do we try and save them even though it might not work and it might be become a worse scenario. So there was a lot in this, but the fact that it all started because <laughs> because of horny symbiotes. <laughs> it's, it's just so crazy because I remember I loved the start of his Venom run. It was so, so good. Um, and you know, like this is a side story because I remember I was at Marvel at the time and we were doing a, a press call, kind of like roundtable interview with Rick. And we had Tom Brevoort there who was, the, who was editing the book. Oh, no, sorry. It was Steve Wacker who was editing the book. And we were not going to tell anyone who the, who had the symbiote, like that it was Flash Thompson who uh, was... That's right. That's the other big... Yeah. yeah. And like, we're three minutes into the thing and Wacker like lets it spill that it's, it's Flash. And there's just this awkward, awkward pause between like Rick, myself, and Steve. And we're like, uh, so can you guys not run that? And we're like, oh. <laughs> It doesn't matter. We'll just <laughs> go with it anyway. Uh, but like his, yeah, we, his heard your, Venom, we heard your curse there, Jim. Sorry. As soon as I said it, I was like, oh, God. You guys hide I hide behind the MPAA code, but like, you know, the Comics Authority code. But like, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Foul mouthed over there at Marvel. But no, but I mean, it was like his, his Venom run was so inventive uh, that to me, the idea of like a Venom like symbiote takeover thing, I actually am kind of glad we didn't see because we see that thing like once every five, 10 years. Right. And, and there's even a thing in here of like uh, Carnage becoming king of New York and all the things yeah. are split, just like we've seen in, you know, the Wastelands and other kind of dystopian Marvel features of like each segment is split up. And this, uh, I feel like not having this helped something like Absolute Carnage feel fresh because if you had just had this and then a couple years later, I imagine you would have still had things coming from that storyline. Yeah. I, I don't know if we would have, you know, it would have been time to have an absolute well, car. Or we would it have even happened. It. it even happened on a smaller scale just a couple years before that, when Bendis um, started with Frank Cho on mighty Avengers. That's right. Like yeah. That, that whole first, first arc was yeah. venom bomb. And so, yeah, it's a nice thing to look back on. And it's just so funny because I, I, I love our commander. He's great. Uh, but him digging out a bunch of all of his old Marvel projects. And it's just like, hey, remember that time I used to write at Marvel? Even though he like he says over and over again, I'll never go back to Marvel. But here, look at all my Marvel work. I'm like, come on, man. But 
It's yeah, and I will say like his uncanny X Force run, oh, I adore. One I, of the best, one of the best runs in comics. Period. Yeah, I, I adore that. Uh, what I did find um, interesting here is that one Flash Thompson Venom is one of my favorite. Yep, runs. That is awesome. Like I love everything about reveal. that. That was an interesting reveal. Yeah, and that, that so design, cool. that design by Tony Moore too was just it's so good. And then when he becomes. You know, uh, anti venom and all that stuff. I dug that too. Like all that yep. whole arc with Flash that like a couple of writers kind of picked up the baton and ran with afterwards was excellent. It was some of the coolest stuff, and that's what made Eddie Brock coming back to Venom feel like it was warranted. One and actually like fresh because you yep. had so long and you'd had quality stuff with him as opposed to the I even forget the thug's name that took over for like <laughs> right? a year that, that totally rando guy like Leo or like Chad like whatever Chad the <laughs> Venom guy like that was sad no, <laughs> that was so sad but this was cool so yeah interesting uh, what if in history so that's Matt's elaborate way of avoiding the real reason why he loved this, which was, of course, <laughs> a symbiote orgy, and he that's hasn't stopped laughing it. about it since. But oh my God. that's okay, man. I mean, hey, we're all in quarantine. Weird things happen. I get it. <laughs> Moving to talking about weird things happening. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming back, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> it's back. Uh, Jamie's happy somewhere. Yeah, somebody, uh, the guy who covers Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for us, Jamie Lovett, is happy. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's another person who's happy. But, we've, got, uh, we've got a number of, um, a number of big. Jamie Jerick. Actually, both Jamies. Both, both Jamies. Jamies. <laughs> Adam is a huge, huge S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. Um, I, I still like S.H.I.E.L.D. most of the time. Um, this, although this new season. <laughs> what a ringing it I am not. I am not excited for. Oh. I mean, I'm I'm being harsh, but I actually do love Agents of Shield. It's just a novelty. It's a self-contained novelty, but it, it just feels so outdated. I'm so waiting for these Marvel Net or Disney Plus uh, series. I'm writing about Marvel Netflix. That's why I mentioned that. But uh, Marvel Disney Plus series, and so it just feels so late. And the Coulson thing really just digs at my bones because I rewatched Marvel's Avengers the other day, and then seeing this kind of teaser with LMD Coulson coming back, it's just like. This never matters anymore. Like they never told anybody that this dude survived and is still out there. And it's just absurd at this point. So I don't know. Yeah. It just feels like it's from a different era, but um, that would I mean, be the good, one good, way one to get me one. to watch it again. Is that if they were to, if they were just to go, Hey, this matters again, like right in the middle <laughs> of the final season and like tell people and have those things like it's far too late, but I'm just saying that would be the way to get me someone who pays attention kind of, you know, episode that was like every so often an episode will pop up in my feed and I'll be like, Oh, that, that looks, and I'll go watch that one episode. You I know? cannot wait for this whole thing to end and have it all been a dream in Colson's head. Aww. Like it's the entire thing has been Tahiti. Why do you say things like that? <laughs> I mean, this, um, I here's the thing. Way. Does that sound crazy far out of the realm of possibility? <laughs> Dave, they've done so many weird things now. I can't say anything. So no. Marvel new heart. I just, I just kind of wish they, they became like, like agents of shield basically became Marvel's version of legends of tomorrow. Like that, that I think could have been, could have been hard. That show. <laughs> Bebo. I mean, at times it's been that silly. So, I mean, they're not too far off. I mean, they've had like karaoke episodes and stuff. You know, it's, it's crazy. So, I don't know. It, it's been fun. It's a kitschy ride. I, I mean, one last run. It's, it, it deserves- Ooh, don't worry. Just keep going. Those are my dogs. Yeah. 
Okay. They are not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans, obviously, so we'll uh, move on. But that's coming back in May. So, I mean, it's going to be like the only thing to watch. Oh, there you go. Man, oh, the, the poster the poster had a little bit of a, a retro feel to it. A lot of people thinking that we may see some Captain America stuff going on there. So, you know. That'll turn it around. Hey, a Chris, e- a Chris Evans cameo? That'll turn that, that boom, ratings oh, through the roof. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Jim, if there's a Chris Evans cameo, I will do one of these podcast shirtless. How about that? <laughs> don't, don't do it. Heard it here wow. first. That is recorded sir so yeah it's on there <laughs> they always right. didn't go oh you just missed him he was just here in the room and, and no, just got away no. sorry guys. yeah uh you guys are talking crazy so i'm willing to i'm willing to put the bet <laughs> on the line record this down fandom record this all right so you can see the first teasers for uh, agents of shield and the poster and all that stuff on comicbook.com marvel moving right along to other marvel stuff so I thought this was interesting, and I kind of wanted to pitch this out today as a kind of discussion topic. So PETA want his lobby, Taika Waititi, director of Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder, to have Fat Thor. He recently answered, he doesn't know yet whether Fat Thor will be back for Thor and Love and Thunder. But assuming that there is some transition in Thor, like gets back to buff Thor, um, PETA wants it to be because Thor decided to kind of switch to a vegan diet. And they want that to be part of the storyline, you know, for the movie, if only a minor part. And they wrote a whole letter and it's all on comicbook.com Marvel. You can read it. Um, it's not a bad letter. And, and they make a good point. Like in real life, uh, Chris Hemsworth for Avengers and uh, some of the other, I think, which one of them Thor movies actually did switch to a vegan to diet. A vegan diet to, to slim down. Natalie Portman is like a very, I mean, clearly outspoken vegan who's also going to be starring in this movie. Uh, I even pointed out that in the Ultimates line, like while it's not explicitly said that Thor's a vegan, he's like this crazy ecocentric mm-hmm. splash borderline eco-terrorist who probably doesn't eat animals, which would make total sense. So there is like a, a baseline here for this to actually be a part of the storyline. And, you know, Marvel, Disney Marvel's trying to check off those lists with the woke generation of like <laughs> all inclusive stuff. So why not throw like, I mean, it's just a throwaway line. It's just like, you know, as a joke from Taika Waititi, like, how did you lose all that weight? Like, oh, you know, vegan diet, something, something. I love animals. Got to look out for them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's a funny line, like a little thing from Thor. And it, it kind of, it gives a nod to that lifestyle. I don't, I don't see why not. Here's, well, here's the thing though. Oh, here we go. This whole, this whole thing <laughs> feels <laughs> like. It's big scardy. No, no, no. This whole thing just feels like. Someone at PETA was like, man, so the, you know, news is slow. No one's talking about us. How do we, how do we change that? So oh, I know. All, so they're basically trying to do our job, huh? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I know. Let's, let's write an open letter to Taiko Waititi to make sure Thor is <laughs> vegan so that uh, when he loses his weight, that'll definitely get people talking about us. And which sure enough, here we are. Which and he did. We, Kudos to the PETA PR person. <laughs> Thank you, PETA, for giving us something to talk about. <laughs> Uh, it's a nice thing to think about. Would they do it? Maybe. Does it matter? I don't. Sure. Does it matter? No. I because I does Natalie I Portman get wind of this? Because if Natalie Portman gets wind of this, then it's just a domino effect. She I I kind of my okay. So my first reaction to things like this, like petitions and all that, is to just like oh my god, like I I roll like that is my initial reaction to most of these types of things. However, this is my first time listening to this podcast. <laughs> however, what, <laughs> however, what I will say is that, you know, I think he, I think Kofi convinced me like Kofi is actually the one that kind of sold me on it. Uh, I don't 
I don't actually hate this. Like it, oh. in the in the hands of Taika, I trust to have the wit and sense of humor to handle something like this in an offbeat, fun nod kind of way that doesn't, you know, involve 20 minutes of exposition explaining like how Thor went vegan. Like it's gonna be a quick, fun throwaway line. But why not? I mean, why what does it hurt? You know, I, I don't I don't really have an issue and uh, makes a segment of the populace very happy that doesn't always get nods. I mean, I don't know. That's not- It'd also be a great motif for him to, and Jane to like bond over something like this because it's a great kind of meta wink to like them yeah. off screen and well, to have Thor like or just like comment on some other person who's eating like crazy stuff like another Asgardian <laughs> and be like, you know, what's in that? Like he eats a hot dog on Earth or something. And he's <laughs> yeah, like, hey. that sounds fun, actually. In the right hands, which I trust Taika to handle yeah. that kind of thing. That would be kind I of fun. Even I don't like the, the layers that they showed in Ragnarok were just like Thor playing video games and, you know, and things like that. Like, it's just like, I think it's a nice extra layer to add to the character. Um, and I, I applaud PETA's, you know, very clear, uh, you know, approach <laughs> to try and well done PETA. Well done. Kudos. Oh, Jim, I love your PR to PR shade. It's very, it's very I well mean, done. That's it. I mean, that's basically what happened. Uh, but I think, yeah, like I said, I think it'd be fun, especially if he's trying to, because you assume Thor has to convince Jane that, like, you know, because they had this like falling apart, you know, obviously over the course. So if he's trying to impress her, like he's like a changed, evolved Thor, like that'd be a funny motif. Be like, I switched to a vegan diet. Yes, <laughs> you know, like just talk. That's a good Thor. Thank that's you. In Thor. the moment, I always have it for like. 0.5 seconds. <laughs> that's, my, that's my power. 0.5 seconds of impressions. Hey, that's All like right. Vanessa Bayer's Jennifer Aniston. It's wonderful because she has one line that she says in that voice and it's perfect. You know, it doesn't have to matter the length. You, I'm gonna tell you, we have to talk to your wife. You keep mentioning this girl like way too much on this Ooh, Vanessa, I still first time I mentioned her. I'm this a, episode. Melissa Villasenor was last week. Was oh, yeah, you're episode. right. Yeah, I'm confusing. I'm sorry. I'm confusing <laughs> with, your se- with your SNL crushes, but I am keeping track. <laughs> make sure you heard me. I'm keeping track. All right. Anyway, so finally, talking about impressions we're all going to be doing. So the Capone trailer came out, and I thought this was interesting, not because it's Tom Hardy, Venom star, or Dark Knight Rises star, as we like to call him, Tom Hardy. Um, <laughs> we... Uh, he also it's going to be directed by josh trank which is like this is the first thing we've really seen josh trank do since he was locked under director jail for uh fantastic four and uh, this is pretty yeah it's been a while right and this is a pretty interesting take because this is just a wild combination of things so okay if you haven't seen the trailer it's tom hardy playing the aged al capone after he gets locked up for tax evasion and there's a little history he gets out um, because he had syphilis. He had contracted syphilis, mm-hmm. which was much more major problem back then. <coughs> Excuse me. I got a peanut and die, and I think, <coughs> oh, man, no. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm alive. Oh, my on-air death would have been a great episode capper, but no. Oh, no, it wouldn't. Uh, so he's Al Capone, has syphilis. <laughs> yeah, there, there we go. Back to that. Um, so he, had, he gets released from prison, and he got to stay in his Florida mansion because he was suffering the, uh, not to get medical, but like the related dementia that goes with syphilis. And obviously this film is taking it and dramatizing that because um, Capone did eventually die there many years later. I mean, he, he didn't serve nearly as much jail time as he was supposed to. He only served like a couple years, half decade or something like that. I forget the exact math. Um, but he died later of the syphilis related complications. Uh, but there was this kind of 
he was supposedly went through this mental erosion over that time where he became increasingly kind of just, you know, you know, chaotic and demented. Um, But there was always this kind of underlying theory that this was all an elaborate act just to get him out of prison and keep running things de facto um, while at home and appearing to be a demented old man. And so obviously Josh Trank is taking that line of conspiracy theory and reality and blending it for this while kind of using that format to kind of be able to do these crazy kind of surrealist sequences where Capone is basically tripping out in dementia <laughs> and seeing things like alligators rising yeah, and all that surreal. It's murder and blood and all these metaphors for all the stuff he's done. And uh, we're going to see Tom Hardy, like go chew scenery and mumble to himself like through it all and it looks all crazy so i thought you know we don't always do biopics here but i thought since you know we have little to nothing else to talk about and this combination of things i thought i'd get your guys thoughts on this it's the untouchable sequel we didn't know we wanted (laughs) (laughs) i've been waiting for this for years (laughs) can i get an old kevin costner elliot ness please yes if we make that happen Uh, i didn't think i didn't think he looked bad as no. as Capone, I thought it was pretty cool. The trailer was was pretty fun. Like it it, it no, uh, it's, a, it's not a bad. It looks like Josh Trank. Yeah. I was like, I had to read that it was Josh Trank, and I was like, wait, oh really? I was like, oh man, it looks like somebody I thought was like used to like Oscar ceremonies or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, Anyways, yeah. I didn't know it was Trank until you just said that, and now I'm really worried about this movie. Oh, oh, be excited. He's going to show up halfway through with a different wig and it's just not going to look right. <laughs> no, he posted it. He actually was, uh, Josh Trank seems to be in a better place. He actually posted the trailer online um, because he had some weird name for it. I think it was like an Italian name he had for it. Uh, I forget what it exactly was, but he posted it online with the uh, caption, um, different title, still my cut with like a winking face. It's <laughs> 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 good. It's good. Yeah, yeah no, I, I like, think it yeah, looks, uh, I think it looks really interesting and, and promising actually. Uh, the, the tone throughout is not at all what you would expect from a Capone, you know, uh, biopic, but, uh, that makes, that makes it worth it. Cause I've like, I've actually, uh, read a lot about, his case and i mean i think it was nine years i think he ended up being in prison like nine years or whatever uh only until before he died but like this is a a part of his life we don't really get to see we haven't seen much of aside from like a turner classic movies random marathon biopic thing so it's, it's interesting i think it's cool the closest thing i have is um boardwalk empire which uh yeah had uh what's his name oh man i can't believe i'm be- i'm blanking on his name he's such a great actor uh i would always shimmy huh no 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 um the guy who played capone in that series oh gotcha trophy stephen graham stephen graham yes stephen graham one of the great character actors of our time like yeah he played an awesome capone it's just this little crazy crazy dude with uh surprisingly soft like family side and michael shannon was great in that as like the federal agent who eventually like came to work for him and that whole mess um, but, uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting thing. So because, because Boardwalk Empire actually got me into Capone and that story and that whole thing, I'm kind of interested to see because this is an unexplored part of his life. This is a part you don't usually see for crazy. I mean, obvious reasons. The yeah. whole premise, the amount of times we got to say syphilis in this press tour is going to be nuts. <laughs> so like, um, obvious reasons, but, uh, yeah. And I'm kind of interested to see what they do with the sequences and because Josh Trank people, the thing about Fantastic Four that made me mad was that. That sequence when they become the Fantastic Four is like 
top-notch Marvel stuff to me. Like, like I love that. Where like Reed's all stretched out and Johnny's burning and like Ben's yeah. in the rock and all that. Like that body horror Cronenberg stuff. And so like that guy can put together like great visuals and do stuff. And it's like I, I this looks like it could combine that. I mean, and make use of that and make it better than a just standard bi- uh, boring biopic. So I want to see how it turns out. Plus, I want to see how Tom Hardy just choose scenery. He's going to be crazy in this. And, and I, for one, am looking forward to that. All right. So that'll do it. Uh, anybody have any closing thoughts? Uh, this is, there's a big release plan. The PR company actually contacted me today to update our article about their whole video on demand release. They're hoping for a theatrical release, but they have a whole release plan for this. It's in the article. Yeah. Only comicbook.com movie. So it's coming to home release first. So you can check that out. All right. When we come back, we are going to get into this WWE thing. And I just snuck something else in that I remembered at the last second because we have more time. So we're going to do that too. All right. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, so we're back. So we're going to do WWE in one second. Uh, I'm just going to say... I actually ended up binge watching something new on uh, FX now that it's kind of fully merged with Hulu. It's a lot easier. And so I kind of watched the uh, Little Dicky series, Dave, um, which is very good. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed this. Uh, it's about, it's basically Atlanta, except for a white Jewish nerdy rapper instead of childish Gambino, which is the closest thing I can tell you about it because it is just a show where it's kind of in that weird thing Louis C.K. started where it's reality, but this heightened version of reality where things can get very weird very quick. Um, and it's about Little Dicky, who I didn't know is from my hometown. Like, I was like, he started saying things in the show, and I was like, wait, this feels way familiar. Like, what? Like, and I started looking him up, and he's like, yeah, from down the road. Um, funny enough, for where I grew up in uh, outside Philadelphia. And so, like, yeah, and it's just about him going to Hollywood, becoming Little Dicky, becoming, like, a bigger and bigger star in his weird kind of neurotic nerdy Jewish kid personality in the rap world. And it guest stars a huge amount, like a just crazy amount of like famous rappers and stuff in these episodes. And it's just well-written and it's like Atlanta. It's, it's absurd. It's kind of funny at times. It's like really powerful emotionally and sad and, you know, kind of beautiful at times it gets gross and like <laughs> kind of really over the top and explicit at times. And it's just, it is a weird combination that, actually somehow makes you like little Dicky more than if you just think his music is like ridiculous or something. So it is another, it is like a weird companion piece to Atlanta that if you like one, the one you'll probably like this one too. Um, so I would say check it out. That's it's on uh, Hulu now. 
and it's on FX Weekly, and it's still airing season one. So check that out. Ooh. Never thought I'd give that review on this show. But here we are. <laughs> Things we also didn't think would happen. Uh, you guys take it away. I'm going to sit here and try not to lag out and get my equipment together while you guys talk about WWE and what just happened. That is Black Wednesday. I mean, I, I got to say WWE is crazy right now. Everything is crazy about it. I mean, Vince McMahon is going to save us all apparently, but like. It, uh, this stuff is keeping us going. I mean, this is like the only entertainment left. So he, he's gotten pretty shrewd about keeping us all entertained. Uh, but uh, yeah, take it away. Cotter, what is happening? Yeah. So uh, Matt, let me ask you a question. You know how when, uh, when WrestleMania ends, you kind of assume that the next week's going to be a little bit more calm. Things are going to slow down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not yeah. happening this time. That's not the case, no. Um, sorry, because sorry. it's not just about what happened Wednesday. The last week has been nothing but insanity. We've got, I've got the list here. We've got the XFL declaring bankruptcy. We've got Donald Trump putting Vince McMahon on an advisory board to restart the economy. Yeah. We've got the state of Florida claiming that WWE is an essential business, uh, which just so happens to come a day after Linda McMahon's super PAC promises yeah. to spend $18 million in Tampa and Orlando. Uh, kind of convenient. You know, not going not gonna to imply anything there. But then... Wait, to be fair, up. though, considering Florida culture, do you really question that, that WWE is an essential <laughs> business? <laughs> when it comes to Florida, Kofi, I really don't. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so we wake up Wednesday morning and we get a... Uh, a press release from WWE saying that there's going to be some cost-cutting measures. And then I hear reports that there's a big uh, conference call at noon with Vince and the entire WWE staff. And within the hour of that call, we get the first five wrestlers uh, released from the company for cost-cutting measures, supposedly. Uh, but then it, then it turns into the dusting of the WWE because it starts at five. And then it becomes eight, and then 10, and then 12, until it gets up to 22 wrestlers, 10 backstage producers, nine of which were furloughed, but one was fired. That one was fired was Kurt Angle. Three performance <laughs> center coaches, two announcers, two on-air talents, at least one member of the writing team, and one referee who happens to be the longest tenured referee ever, Mike Chioda. I can't believe they got rid of Mike Chioda, man. I why? There ain't nothing sacred anymore. <laughs> yeah. Nothing is. Of well, all people, Mike Kyoto. Yeah. I mean, but there's a couple names on this list. Like, and this was bound to happen, right? There's always going to be names that you just don't quite understand, like, why. But, like, names like him, uh, you know, Zack Ryder. Like, there's yeah. Rusev. There's a couple names on here that Rusev, you kind of, like, everybody like us loves yeah. him. For whatever reason, WWE has never known. Yeah. But I feel like that. I feel like that came from that. Like that was they could not agree on a new contract, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Like because he has been in talks, you know, or trying to either renew or whatever. Like he's been off the TV for a while. Yeah. Um, and his tweet, his goodbye tweet, was amazing. By the way, yeah. <laughs> it was just so sad. Out. <laughs> the, the announcement had come out yet. He's just like, "Bye, guys." It's like, "No, no, not you." Yeah, he got yeah. ahead of it. Yeah, Ryder, Ryder was a little, like, surprising for me because, like, after Kurt went, after Kurt Hawkins was like, oh, you, you figured, okay, Ryder might. But still, Ryder's been such an important part of 
their like grow, you know, the stuff he does on his podcast, the stuff yeah. he, he helps with Xavier, the outreach stuff he does. He's, he's a part of that machine and like so many other places that yes, he wasn't on TV. Yes. He wasn't being used as an on air talent a lot, but he's so, you know, like beloved and important to like their overall thing. You thought, I mean, who are they going to have wrestle on main event anymore? Like they might as well, well just cancel the show. That was the thing, right? <laughs> when a lot of people saw the list, it was like, oh, okay. So they got rid of all their house show people. Yeah. And they got rid of the people like on main event and, you know, the ones that aren't on Raw, SmackDown. Well, here's that's the what thing. They got rid of. With, with one or two exceptions, it's all Raw people. They didn't yeah. cut you the SmackDown brand. And well, the SmackDown roster is smaller to begin with. Right, Isn't it? I think that there's still some guys they could cut the fat out on that on that front, and just the fact that it's all raw made me think, oh crap, are we going to get another wave of this on Friday? No. Well, I will say the the NXT wave of it, which happened kind of throughout the night, was much smaller than I expected. So, uh, they, and they could have cut way more people. From they, they, they yeah, d- with the amount of people, like if you're applying the same theory of what happened to raw to NXT and even SmackDown, the, the number of people could be a lot. If you're, if you're applying that same logic, I will say it's still going on. We're still actually seeing people here and there of like rumors that people are left or, or whatever with NXT. It was, they were telling people as they got to the, like, the performance center, like essentially as they came in, they were told whether or not they were safe, you know, um, that kind of thing. SmackDown could be some of the same thing. Maybe you'll see that of when they go to the performance center, we might see some names. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily over, unfortunately. Um, but I was surprised that it wasn't more NXT people just with the way Vince is with NXT, NXT and you know having to like I feel like Hunter has to fight for that brand all the time so to see that it wasn't was actually you know kind of nice because I was worried that it was just going to be as bad I mean I, I thought that number would be in the 40s it's just we weird because they said something along the lines that like they're going to save about you know 780,000 a month or something in talent expenses and and like Okay, let's say this goes on for four months, right? So roughly $4 million. Maybe you don't have Goldberg wrestle at uh, a pay-per-view. And right. those folks can stay on the, on the roster. Yeah. Uh, by, basically, by all accounts, from everyone I talked to, this did not, nece- this did not need to happen. This was yeah. not a, oh, the coronavirus has hit us so much. Uh, not having WrestleMania, not having live events, that's going to put us under. No, it wasn't that. It was that we wanted, they wanted to match what their pre-COVID-19 projections yes. were. And in yeah. order to do that, you had to cut out some people and say, hey, let's not move that HQ up in Connecticut just yet. It's saving a ton of, weirdly, a lot of money. <laughs> like so much money. Like when they announced that that 4 million number was like, oh, they're going to save 4 million. Because at first they didn't say that a chunk of it was due to the moving. They said, we're saving 4 million a month. <laughs> then people started doing research and going, oh, most of that is coming from not moving and construction of your new headquarters. So if you stop that, you they were already saving over $3 million a yeah. month. That's so but, then it but, was, oh, this 780,000, which I understand. Look, I'm not saying right. 780,000 is anything to sneeze at, but you're talking about 20, 22, 24 people 
out of work and they can't go get work elsewhere either. Right. Yeah. And they're independent contractors. Yeah. So well, they can't even get right. benefits. Like, I mean, but from this crazy. list, from this list though, like your Drake Mavericks, your Leo Rush, EC3, um, it hurts me because of that video he put out. That yeah, that was oh uh, yeah, that was it was. But I mean, but but like those guys aren't big surprises. Like Aiden English as well. Like yeah, even though he had transitioned the commentary. I mean, I you know that but like Rowan and Primo and Epico. Like the, those are names you would probably expect anyway when it came time to to do some cuts. Yes. Um, but it's the, I mean, it's, you know, the OC, like Gallows, you know, and they all that. Like, signed new deals a year, less than a year ago. Yeah. Like those are the big, like those are the big. Well, uh, Lance Storm, right? Had uh, just, yeah. just <laughs> come on. <laughs> like he just he shut down his school to take this job and they yeah. said, you're furloughed. It's like, what the hell? Um, yeah, that it's the fact that one, like Connor said, they didn't have to do it, but two, it's, I understand that if you look at a lot of these names and let's WWE does this every year, typically twice a year, but they do it at least once a year where they kind of go through and cull the rosters. And a lot of people, part of the, I think part of the reason why this was so big is that they, all we heard last year was nobody's getting their release if they ask for it. Everybody's yeah. getting signed to these big, new, yeah. big money, multi-year contracts because they were hoarding talent because they didn't want anybody else to have it. Yeah. And now they turn around and go, we have all this success that we don't need, but we're so we're going to fire everybody in a recession, in a pandemic. It's, and you got guys like yeah. Maria who just had a baby. It's like, oh, that yeah. just makes it worse. Well, and that's the thing. It's not that they're releasing them because, again, we see that every year and we understand that that's just part of this model. Like people are going to go, but it was never, it still sucked before for these people. But a lot of times, like we've talked about, they were still getting paid. Yeah. They were still getting paid one, but also they also saw it coming. A lot of them weren't blindsided. A lot of them were because they couldn't work out deals or they knew their time on TV was short. So they wanted to go elsewhere anyway, but they could go somewhere else. They can't go to AEW right now because AEW can't, you know, it's only, allowed to like do so many things that a lot of other independent promotions can't even do that. Like they can't even have a weekly show. They, they don't, they can't hire them. So to do that right now is like, it's just absurdly cruel. (laughs) Really quick though. We should talk about, cause I think we only had about like five or so minutes left um, about who we think will probably make the jump for, for for, like people to say like, Oh my God, everyone should make the jump to AEW. No, that's ridiculous. That is, that is crazy. No, uh, but I can definitely see Zack Ryder going there. Yeah, uh, yeah, because of his relationship with Cody. He's got a great relationship with Cody, but I think he would be he would do really well there. Um, I can see Eric Young going to AEW. Uh, he's got he's the the kind of uh, talent that I think would help some of the new blood and stuff that they've got there. And then the only other ones I can see going are um, uh, Gallows and Anderson. Um, I see Rusev going to somewhere like Power, I see, like NWA. Thing is, I see I see Gallows and Anderson will probably wind up back in New Japan. Yeah, they may go back to New Japan. Um, I, Rusev could make a killing in New. I Japan. think I, I think that's him. where he's going to go. I think if anything, Rusev's going to go to Japan. Right. I think guys like I think Ryder, uh, Maverick, uh, and EC3. I think they wind up in AEW. Because they either were trying to promote themselves and it just WWE wanted nothing to do with it, or they just weren't being given a shot with 
it's kind of was the case with EC3. We're all looking around like, why did you sign him if you're not going to use it? <laughs> I don't know. I almost see EC3 going back to impact. Yeah. Could, probably. Yeah. Because he, I mean, he's just because he had such a great run there. Yeah. And you, after, essentially, like you said, after being like cast aside in the corner and told like, well, we're, we don't know what to do with you for years. Why wouldn't you go somewhere where you feel like, oh, well, at least they appreciate me. They know what that I can, you know, main event, do all this other stuff. Um, you know, I will say this of the producers that were either let go or furloughed. I think AEW really wants to jump on somebody like Fit Finley, a guy that yep. basically, if you look at the reason why the women's revolution is what it is, he's a big part of that behind the scenes. And that's their big weakness right now. Yeah. So having sure. somebody like that backstage could help a lot. That would, be, that would be huge. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, but I mean, we, we can't just look at this list and go, everyone's in AEW because that's, that's not even what they do. They take uh, the guys that legitimately want him to leave. So and real quick, real quick, uh, what do we think of Seth's comments? Oh God, he just needs to it's, shit the hell. So it's, <laughs> here's the thing. it's so privileged and like, you need to be you, like, we wow. should all be happy and grateful and thankful that we're still putting on wrestling. Like, sh- sh- get the hell out of here. I get what he I get what he was trying to say and in yeah. like the five tweets he put out after the fact he eventually got out the point was like hey we all need to come together for this. Problem was before that he's like you guys need to stop being mad at our company for firing all these people. It's like no we don't. We should Yeah, the one line that stuck out to me is what he when he said we need to like support us so that there is a company for them to come back to. And I was like that that logic doesn't does it really play? <laughs> that's that's not quite uh, correct, you know. Um, because if some you look need in the to past, die so we can survive. Yeah, it was like <laughs> no, 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 Seth. I I understand the point you're trying to make. Big man got my computer with that one. But but Seth has to like learn when this was a thing he should have talked about at the end of the week. One, it should not have been on the day all these people were let go, and two, get to the the point right at the end of like, this is a time for us to come together, leave out all the, everyone's mad at us, leave out all that stuff. Cause none of that just needed to be there. Leave out the, how dare you get mad at us for firing people in an epidemic? Yeah. That's it. Don't Neil deGrasse Tyson, the situation. Well, do that. Timing is everything. So my question is, how is Vince McMahon going to save our economy if he can't even save his own? <laughs> well, that's it. He's, he is saving his own economy by getting rid of what he deems. Oh, I like uh, where this is headed. Okay. <laughs> even though they had a $500 million cushion. I've ever told you was, how, how well I can do a suplex. They were still <laughs> going to be profitable. Uh, and uh, he told everyone they didn't have shares in XFL, even though they did. So he fits well, right yeah, how much how much of WWE owned the XFL was what he was kind of fibbing about. But yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, no. Uh, you know, it's not here's the thing. I will say, not in his defense or anything, but I will say, like, the XFL was kind of like, yes, I know it filed bankruptcy, but it was also like, how are you supposed to plan for this? Like that was no, yeah, that was that was so unfortunate timing, and it was like Oh, oh my God, of course, yes, it would happen to the XFL. Yeah. Because the XFL was starting to gain some steam. Yeah, it was doing pretty good, man. It was, it was almost watching there. it. It was yeah. gaining some steam. And then, of course, it just it is just cursed. So that one, I don't blame on him. I don't blame no. for mismanagement or anything. But I will say there was like 400 people, though, working as part of the XFL. So all of those people are out of jobs, too. Yeah. So it's, it's a, a crash. We get a pandemic. 
Oh, well, XFL yeah. three will be the one. I'm telling you. All right. All right. That'll do it for this uh, segment. I think anybody, wait, I'm sorry, Connor, do you have anything else? Uh, nope. Just that we're getting a, uh, we're getting uh, financial reports back next week. So this whole fun scenario will keep on rolling then. Sorry. All right. Well, we got a lot of room for wrestling on this show now. So uh, maybe we'll be seeing you again real soon. Thanks. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. We are here every Wednesday and Friday, quarantined or not. You can find new episodes of the site on comicbook.com. You can subscribe to our RSS feed and get regular updates about the show. Or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We're on, uh, ABBA. We're on iTunes Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Uh, I think I forget all the rest right now. Man, quarantine. You can always find videos of us on the comicbook.com YouTube website or watch on uh, Facebook Live when we air them uh, every Wednesday or every Friday. If you want to talk to us about anything we discussed on the show, throw us topics or grenade discussion points or anything else or just touch base with us right now, hit us up at the hashtag ComicBookNation or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at MyAgularCB. Oh, Jim McConnell, you guys never know. (laughs) And you can find me at Jim Viscardi. Jim always takes head of the table position as, uh, <laughs> as the last one to go. But uh, that'll do it for this episode. I know Jim's got to get out of here, so we're going to roll out today. Leave those five-star reviews on iTunes. I just looked, and it doesn't look like we've had a lot of five-star reviews. I understand why. I mean, it's been busy in the last couple of weeks with other thoughts. But uh, if you guys are getting into the show just now, leave us a five-star review because we are coming up on time. We're going to re- read some more of those uh, reviews and hopefully be back in the office soon enough to send out some T-shirts before this year is out. So thank you for tuning in. Until then, this has been Comic Book Nation. We'll see you again. Peace.